Hey friends, your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish, here with an episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this show, we're going to talk about Wild Beyond the Witchlight. We're actually going to do two things in this show. We're going to do a review, kind of a, a look back on chapter one. On the, I, I have now run chapter one of Wild Beyond the Witchlight, so we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about running chapter one, what that was like, and offer some tips and tricks and some experiences that I've had running chapter one. And we're going to get ready for me to run chapter two. We're going to talk a bit about chapter two and what it looks like we're going to do in chapter two. This show, uh, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to help support shows like this, you can support me directly by going to patreon.com slash Sly Flourish. The link is down in the show notes below and becoming a patron. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive material, guides, adventures, and other things. I've got something pretty exciting that is going to be available to patrons probably within a week or so. I'll talk about that more on Sunday, but pretty cool. It's going to be pretty cool. Some people have already seen it. If you're on the Patreon Discord channel, uh, which you get access to by being a patron, you may have already seen it. I put a draft up there. And uh, yeah, some neat stuff. So if you like what you're seeing, please consider supporting supporting me on Patreon. I'm going to put a link into the thing here. I, I have some notes that I put together. This is actually in my in my Notion notebook that of uh, things that I wanted to talk about in the show today. So we're going to talk now about chapter one. So I want to start off with my biggest tips, the things that I can offer you. If you're thinking about running while beyond the witch light, what are some of the top tips that uh, I can offer you? And these are tips that I have talked about with others who have run this adventure. So these aren't just mine alone, but I think they can really help. And my number one tip is to really run a solid session zero for running Wild Beyond the Witchlight. This is a different kind of adventure and it's a very different theme. And because it has a lot of interesting features to it, right? A lot of things, like one thing is like you can you can talk your way out of, or not talk your way, but you can theoretically get through the entire campaign without fighting anything, right? And that's the kind of thing that you would want to talk about in a session zero. You really want to make sure that the characters are invested in the theme and the focus of the adventure, because if they're not, they could kind of go in all different directions. You know, you want to make sure, and we're going to talk about this when we talk about the pacing of chapter one, you want to make sure that the characters' drives and motivations are set to ensure that the the that the the oscillating pace of being excited to explore the carnival and prismere is mixed with the interest in getting back like your lost the, the lost thing. So number one, and we did a whole other video on chapter one of a run, or of doing a session zero for Rhyme of the uh, doing a session zero for Wild Beyond the Witchlight previously. So take a look at that video, and that can help a lot. Number two, and this this became very clear to me, is that like that you really want to have a handle on the pacing of this chapter. Chapter one is foremost an exploration and the fun of going through the Witchlight Carnival, going on rides, trying out games, getting involved in contests, and kind of seeing interesting things, right? And the pacing of that, if you're if you're too slow, things can, or you know, if you if you turn the dial too much one way, things can might get a little slow. It's like we've gone, you go on one ride after another, you see interesting things, but like, what are you doing here? It's real easy to kind of lose track. Oh, why are we here, right? Why are we, what, what are we doing here, right? But if you put it too hard in the other direction, they're going to skip that stuff and they're not going to go on any rides and they're not going to just have a good time. So you really have to, more more so than I think in other adventures and in other sort of scenarios like this, you really need to be continually balancing and carefully balancing how the players are reacting to the carnival. 
are they are things getting a little stale and things getting a little bored? Well, now it's time to drop in some of the clues that are showing them that there's more going on here, right? Are they getting too driven by like there are things happening here and there's, you know, conspiracy theories and everything? Well, then remind them that it's okay to go and do the custard eating contest, right? Or that they can, maybe you should think about this while you're on one of those swans, right? Talking philosophy. So you want to continually have a careful gauge on that, right? You want to, you want to make sure and sometimes you might need to step out of character and say, just to let you guys know, you are free to explore the carnival and enjoy it. You don't have to go chasing anything. There's no timer that's happening right now where, oh, because you went on the swan ride, now you're hosed, right? Now the thief got away with whatever they got away with and you're not going to get it. You want to make sure, like, you can go ahead and tell them, right? There's a lot of times things that, like, we have a lot of trouble with when we're running a game can be solved by us just breaking character and saying it, right? And that's an example of, like, just... Tell them that things aren't so urgent that they don't have to immediately go down that path. On the same side, you don't want them just running around from, you know, exploring every single thing. And that's, there is a, you know, I said there's no timer. There can be a timer. You can sort of move those hours of the thing and say like, hey, the, you know, the carnival is going to be ending and there's only so many rides. Make sure to triage which rides you're interested in. That's up to you. You can actually just change that timer and say that they can go on as many rides as they want. If, they're ha if everybody's having a good time, you could do that. But I, I have talked to other DMs and, and this was my experience as well. That we covered like maybe half, maybe even less than half of the total number of things that you can do in the carnival. And, and I think that's fine. I think it was the opportunity for the players to kind of go after the things they were interested in and skip the things that they weren't really interested in and still along the way get dropped in with these clues that are, that are telling them what, what's going on. And then the, the last part is tied to that too, which is there's a lot of like little secret clues that are going on in this chapter. There's a lot of information that the characters are, could pick up. And the adventure has them set in different places. You can sort of little, you know, through, through kettle steam, you can learn about certain things or from Witch and Light, you can learn about certain things or from Burley, you can learn some certain things. You can follow what we do in the Lazy DMs checklist, right? Which is separate those facts from the characters that might reveal them. It doesn't have to be the unicorns that say things, right? It doesn't have to be kettle steam. It can be lots of different characters. You can you can take these these ideas, and this is where I think like doing your lazy DM prep and having your 10 secrets and saying these are the, the potential these are the potential secrets the characters might learn. And then drop them in. And maybe they can learn it from different people, right? They can learn it from the people that they're talking to. So you can, you know, separate out those those clues, those important clues. And I wrote some of these clues down here because these are like the main things that the characters probably ought to know by the time they move from chapter one to chapter two. And that's how do you even get to Prismere, right? And the idea is, well, there's a mirror inside the Hall of Illusions that lets the thieves, the, 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 the hourglass coven thieves, enter and exit Prismere, right? And you can use that you can use that mirror to get through as well. So that's like a piece of information, but there's a few different people who might know about that information. There's a few different ways that the characters might learn about it. And that's, that's pretty good. The other one is learning about the hourglass coven, learning about the hags, learning about the deals that they made with Mr. Witch and Mr. Light and how that operates, you know, and learning about the thieves that they've sent here and that the thieves have taken it. That's really good. One, one real trick. I'll, I'll talk about this when I talk about like how I, I, how I, I ran this chapter is like, make sure the players, Make sure the characters see the thieves and maybe recognize them. Like they haven't seen them in eight years or in my case, 16 years, right? And because they haven't seen them, 
suddenly when they see, and it's creepy, right? You can do this kind of fun, like little girl walking along and she's got her pig mask and she just turns and smiles and you can see like her rotted teeth and she's got this huge, and you're like, what the hell is that? And you're like, you've seen her before. Like you remember her before. And they're like, oh my God, that's important, right? And then you can kind of shift things. You can't can't quite find her. Like they lose track of her, right? So there's there's fun ways to kind of drop that in, but you can... You can drop that in wherever you want. So learning about that stuff is really important. And then the, the, the final, you know, another thing that they need to learn about is the, the origin of the Witch-like Carnival. The fact that Mr. Witch and Mr. Light had another carnival and they traded it and they were only supposed to be for a year, but they really loved it. So they made a deal with the Hourglass Coven and the Hourglass Coven was the group that said, that's fine. But one thing, anybody that comes in without a ticket, we get their stuff. We get to, we're going to take something from them and that's between us and them. It has nothing to do with you, but we're going to use your, your carnival. And like, yeah, okay. So that's an important fact that they could learn. And the fact, and the big one is the dis, the disappearance of Zabilna herself, right? And the fracturing of Prismere, the fact that the, the Hourglass Coven have kind of fractured Prismere into these three realms, hither, hither, thither, and yon, right? And that that is a, a, probably a piece of information. And the, the fact that Zabilna has disappeared completely. These are probably important pieces of information that's better if they learn about it before they end up in Prismere. On the other hand, with stuff like this, if they got into Prismere, you could certainly have any of the NPCs in Prismere tell them the same thing. So that that works. One other thing that I dropped in here that I wanted to make sure is that I wanted the characters, the players understood why I'm... So there's a whole thing that I've talked about. I talked about in the show that I did on this, and I'm going to talk about it a fair bit here, which is my concept of bringing in these things that I'm calling the dreadful incursions. Dreadful incursions are incursions of the domains of dread from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, like an area that essentially the domains of dread and Prismere are colliding together because Zabilna has hasn't been around right because the has disappeared that's you know she was keeping these two universes at bay and now they're colliding together because she's gone and that offers up for, for me the value of that is a i get to use van richten's guide to Ravenloft, which is a really cool book and i love it b I can offer clear areas for the third pillar for combat, right? I wanted players to enjoy some combat and I want them to enjoy combat without feeling like they lost. I don't, you know, while it's really cool that you can get through all of Wild Beyond the Witchlight without combat, it can, to me, it felt like it could lead to the point where every, you know, players want to engage in mine anyway, like combat, they want to do it, but they also recognize that combat isn't really the, always the overall goal. So that means anytime they would get into combat, it's like they failed, Right. And I don't want them to feel like, oh, well, we, you know, we got into a fight with the, 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 you know, the, the Harangon gang. So now we lost. Right. Or that was, we shouldn't have done that. So instead I'm like, no, I want you to have clear things that you can fight and you don't feel bad about it. Right. And I've done two of these incursions so far in my game. We're going to talk about them, but that's another opportunity for something for, for them to learn something, which is learning the origins of these incursions to why, you know, how do they happen? Why do they happen? How come the people that are not yeah, how come people notice don't don't notice them when they occur and like when they disappear, they all kind of like their you know their brains are fuzzy. Like I don't remember something happened. I don't remember what. I I had that wired in, and that's probably another secret that I wanted to drop in. And in, in my game, I did. So those are kind of my big three tips, right? Make sure you run a solid session zero. Make sure you have a handle on the pacing and that you know how to turn the pacing of the game one way or the other, and make sure that you separate the clues of the things that are important for the characters to learn from the location where they learn them so that you can drop them in wherever they learn them, wherever they might learn them during the during their exploration. Those are really my big ones. 
But I have some other tips too. These are things that I, I picked up, but also I've, I've, I got from other people that I talked to about this, which is make sure to give out the trinkets, right? There, and, and keep track of the trinkets. I didn't realize this and I screwed up and now I don't know what to do about it because my characters are already in chapter two and they don't really have a lot of trinkets. But those trinkets are the currency of Prismere. They're a way to buy things in Prismere. They're a way to buy favors and everything, the, 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 the three rules of, of kind of life in the Fae mean that if you don't have things that you can give to them, that's a real problem. So I, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do about it, but it would have been something that I should have thought about more when I was running it because I, you couldn't, you could actually take those games where they could earn this stuff, and instead of having them all in one place that they might miss, like they did in my game, you could have them all throughout the area, right? Treat those as like every time they're walking from one place to another, there's a game of chance they can do, and they can win stuff at the game of chance. That would be the something that I wish I had done. Make so this is something I did do, and I'm happy that it worked out this way is staying flexible with the motivation for Mr. Witch and Mr. Light and their reaction to being confronted with the truth, right? And in the, in the adventure, the adventure kind of lays it out at a heist that they're, they're generally unhelpful until you steal most likely Mr. Witch's watch, right? Because Mr. Light's wand, uh, rod is really hard to get. And then you can kind of use it to sort of blackmail them a little bit and learn information. And that's certainly one way to go. I actually had it that when the characters just confronted them about it, and told them everything that they had learned, Mr. Witch and Mr. Light realized the gig was up and, 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 and they broke down. And particularly when they found out what had been stolen from the characters and they thought like, I figured you're gonna lose like your pinky toenail, right? Or you're gonna lose like a small trinket of yours. I didn't realize like you're, you're losing your family's memory of you in one case, right? The, the, and they realized like, so I made them sympathetic, right? And I think that was kind of fun because it makes them likable. Like I wanted both Witch and Light to be likable characters. And and in mine, when they were confronted about, you know, after the characters had gone through like a good session and a half, you know, a good deal of it. I think they had one session zero, then they had an entire other session exploring the carnival. And then about halfway through the next session is when they finally confronted Mr. Witch and Mr. Light. And that worked out really well. Like I think they did two full sessions in the carnival and it was the end of the second session when they actually made their way or, or were real close to making their way across. And so that worked out. So you can you, you really put yourself in like the head of Mr. Mr. and Mr. Light and recognize that they can go ahead and you don't have to have the whole blackmail of the and the heist, right? Like if that works, that works, right? And that's an option, right? But there are other options too. There are other ways that Mr. Witch and Mr. Light can get involved. So that that was something that happened in my game and actually worked out well. I, I talked about moving the contest so that they're around the whole park. That way the characters can uh, engage in these contexts, get prizes and the prizes can be useful later. So that really worked. And we'll talk about dreadful incursions. I think I'll I'll hold back on this a little bit. We'll 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 move this down the list, right? And and talk about talk about dreadful incursions. So what did we do in my game? What what was the the path that we actually took? So they went to the ticket booth and that worked out really well. One trick that I had for the ticket booth that I picked up from Reddit which worked really well is that there's a bunch of kids that don't have tickets and that want to go in. And the characters can take the tickets that Elowick gives them and give it to the kids instead. And then they can take the requests from the goblin. They can they can do the fey packs with the goblin, which is a really cool thing. It's like written in the book, but you don't really do it, right? And you could just buy a ticket for like whatever, a little bit of silver and every character has enough money that they could do this. 
but all my characters except one ended up taking the fade bargain and that added a whole other layer that was really kind of fun so the idea that they give their tickets up to the kids and then you have this other group of kids that are running around and in my case it was really fun because the kids were a bunch of rambunctious jerks and it was a lot of fun to have this like alternative group of kids that they would continually run into and sometimes they would save them and sometimes they're competing they competed with them in the snail race they saved them another ones the kids it was really it was really fun so, so that worked really well for the ticket booth. Then they went to the Lost and Found. That was kind of interesting. It was the first NPC, the 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 displacer beast there. There was the first NPC that was being real hedgy about the lost things. It makes sense. So like, hey, I lost my stuff. Why don't I go to Lost and Found? And the Lost and Found was like, is this it? No, is this it? No, is this it? No, is this it? Right, and jerking around. And then they realized, like, this guy's lying to us. Like, he knows something. He's lying to us, right? And that's like the first, like, something's not right here. That worked okay, right? And then and, uh, with the kids running around in the Lost and Found, I replaced them with the kids that were outside with the tickets. So that was kind of fun because at one point they were like, can I just look in your lost and found and see if we can find our stuff in there? Because obviously you're not sure what we're doing. And it's like, I'm not gonna let you look in here. There's like Vorpal swords and stuff in here. And you'll just say, hey, that's my Vorpal sword. And then you walk away with Vorpal sword. And they're like, there's a Vorpal sword. And he's like, yeah, it's one right here. And then like a kid grabs it and runs like, oh man, there it goes. There goes the kid with the Vorpal sword, right? And it was fun. It was kind of like fun stuff to do. They did their dragonfly rides. It was the first time that uh, I think it, is it Kettlesteam? Yeah, it's Kettlesteam. So Kettlesteam, that's the first time Kettlesteam got involved. And that was kind of neat because uh, that is the first time that they, they, one of the kids that they had met outside was at risk, right? And that was, you know, again, I was able to kind of use these children NPCs. I think I might bring them back. I think they might make their way into Prismere themselves. I think there might be kind of fun opportunities for them to show up, right? As kind of troublemakers inside. I think that I think that will be I think that will be really. I did the custard eating contest. It was kind of gross. It was like the pie eating contest scene from uh, Stand by Me, right? It, there was a lot of regurgitation, but it was it was kind of fun. And they they you know the player was certainly memorable. The carousel was fun. The puzzle's a little goofy. I don't know like does everybody end up doing the puzzle every time like the they go in on the ride it was you know i made i probably didn't run it right but I, it was a little strange to do the puzzle they did it and they succeeded it wasn't that hard and then they and then they had the gossiping you know the the gossiping unicorns and that was fun the idea that they're all actual unicorns just running around inside this thing was also a lot of fun so it worked out and it was a good way to start dumping secrets and clues right so it was at that point when they were wandering around where i had them see the first hourglass thief in this case it was sow pig right and that was really, that one was cool. That was like a turning point. And I love describing her. And I love like the fear that she brought. And she's like this little girl, little ghoul girl, right? And, and like people are like, what the hell? And that immediately started. And that's when I jumped right into the dreadful. That was sort of when the dread, the first dreadful incursion. That was when the first dreadful incursion occurred. And that, so, and we'll, again, we're going to talk all about dreadful incursions. So, so, you know, hang on to that. But that was where I first realized the impact that dreadful incursions were, the somewhat unintended impact that dreadful incursions were having on this game, which is they began to trust nothing. So instead of just saying like the dreadful incursion is this thing that happened here, they started to say this whole place is falling apart, right? Like they thought Mr. Witch and Mr. Light were behind it, right? And because nobody could see it and because everybody was ignoring it, they were like, you guys are, you know, this is a bad place, right? And I'm, and that was too much. And I had to kind of let them recognize like the, the one who's trained in arcana saw no that rift was different that's not he didn't cause that nobody here caused that that was something else right and then they learned more about it from from elowick later so that that worked out really well they went to the mystery mine the they they went through it and i dropped more kind of not dreadful incursions exactly but more sites of the domains of dread in there as their way of going through it that was 
kind of made things scary. And then this was kind of in the next session, they went and visited Mr. Witch and Mr. Light and con confronted them. They sort of just barged their way in, right? In which they, they saw them. And they started bringing up all their evidence and all this stuff that they had, all the things that are going on. And then they said, Here, these are the things we lost, right? And that was when I was like, I think Mr. Witch and Mr. Light are going to be sympathetic to that. And they're going to say like, what have we done? Like how many other people have lost things that really matter? Parts of their parts of them that are gone because of this deal we made, because we're selfish, because we just like our carnival. Right. And so I had them kind of turn and they said, we don't even know if we're going to be able to keep it. Right. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're with you and we'll help you. And then they, you know, so then they said, but we're going to go to the big top. And we're going to do it there. But, uh, you know, you, if you want to know the gate that, the, and I'm not sure if this is in the book, but the way I said, I think it makes a lot of sense. The gateway that the thieves use is inside the hall of illusion. So if you want you like, we don't have your stuff. Your stuff is held by the hourglass coven. They already learned about the coven previously. The Hourglass Coven has your stuff and you need to get to, they, they are inside Prismere and you have to go to Prismere to get it. And the way to get to Prismere is by going through this mirror. So now they had all the information they needed to go to chapter two, right? Then luckily they said, you know, yeah, this is a real important. Hey, snails, let's go race the snails. And the snail race was really fun. It was, it was a bit chaotic to manage. There was a lot of like, you know, road rash style because it was all of like them. And then it was a bunch of the kids uh, that are known as the FUs, the, the friendly urchins or the FUs were the kids. And they, there was a lot of like, you know, competition between them. And it was really fun. And the idea that the snails were super, super slow until they got on them. And then they went like 100, 100 feet a second. And like everyone was like, wow, right? And everybody had to make uh, dex checks to not go flying off their super fast snail. That was a really good time. I enjoyed that a lot. They did go and listen to the Silver Song. They heard the disruption, but that gave them the chance to confront Kettlesteam. And then Kettlesteam said, mine you know, my patron is gone. And my wife's character also has the same patron. She's the cleric. She's a trickster cleric of, all right. So she's like mine too. And they hugged each other and she said, we're going there. We're going to solve this. Right. And she built this bond with Kettlesteam right away. And that was kind of a neat thing that like this sort of pseudo villain immediately became like somebody that they wanted to help. Then they had the crowning of the Witchlight monarch. I kind of described it all. And the idea here is they had been doing enough good and bad stuff. And they've been doing a bunch of like positive and negative things that they were bouncing around the middle of the of the happiness chart. So I was like, they're not, they shouldn't win. Right. And I was like, and it would be a little cliche if like one of the kids from the FUs won. So I was like, I'm just going to roll random character. Right? And it was really kind of funny that like, I picked this like random NPC out of a random NPC generator. Who's like, yay. And no one knows who they are. Right. Everyone in the car was like, oh, okay. You know, and, and they're like, yeah, like running around and riding around in this place for me. It's like, woo, Leo butterflies. That was, it was, it was a fun, it was kind of a fun moment. And then they went to the Hall of Illusions and that's where I dropped in another dreadful incursion. In this case, I dropped in the Sea of Sorrow uh, incursion. So when they went in there, they could hear the sound of the sea and they could smell salt water. And they're like, what the hell is that? And then they're going and they see the mirror and they see one of the other, I think they saw the, 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 the the one that looks like one of the hags you know it's not a, it's not the goblin girl and it's not the shadow they saw one of the other ones who was trying to trick the guy they got the whole thing of the couple and the her breaking down in laughter because of the the tasha's hideous laughter and all of that was was in there and then he was there and he looks he's like what the hell and they turn it in the other mirror they see they're on the deck the the portal the tear between worlds is on the deck of the ship of in the sea of sorrow with the with the with the pirate captain and the bodies that are hanging over the sides of the ship and her crew which i made sea spawn and i had a couple of the sea spawn 
make their way through the incursion and attack the characters. Six characters, first level, the sea spawns were a little hard, but they focused their energy and they managed to kill them without too much difficulty. And I, the only thing I screwed up on is I didn't make it clear that, that she wasn't coming through, right? Because if she came through, she'd just butcher them. But it was really cool to, for them to see it. And because I used the, the Sea of Sorrow section from the guide, I was able to drop in some interesting details that they saw. So it wasn't just a crazy pirate ship. It was like they saw an island made out of fossilized bone with a lighthouse shining a green light that's not calling out to anybody in the sea, but calling to something below, right? And it was like neat stuff that they saw. They're like, there's a whole crazy world over there. And then they killed the sea spawn and zip, and it snapped shut. And they're like, let's get the hell out of here. And they jumped into Prismere. And that was the end of, that was the end of their chapter. So, so that, that worked out, you know, it was, it was good. I think, I think we're having a lot of fun. Let's talk about the dreadful incursions and they, they are serving their purpose, but they're also having an, another somewhat unintended effect, which isn't surprising. They're definitely bringing like interesting moments for combat. And I've had one of the players who kind of randomly generates characters when he plays, who's playing a tiefling barbarian. And he's like, yeah, something to hit. Right. And he's like excited. And he's like, everyone else is like, man, that was terrible. He's like, man, that was fun. We got to kill a bunch of rats. Like I enjoyed that. Right. And so they're, they're, they're enjoying the opportunity, but it is the unintended effect is that it is definitely taking the whimsical nature that I was so excited about when I saw this adventure and it is darkening it. Right. And I've talked to my wife about this, right. My, my wife has played chapter one now a couple of times she's played witch light both for organized play and she's played it in, in our home game so she knows the difference right and for her there's definitely like a, yeah it is it is take i'm mean, not just for her but i think for all of us right that it's taking this sort of darker i mean you're definitely like you know if you have a light dark dial right and you have like dark on one side which is descent into avernus and rhyme of the frost maiden and curse of strahd right and then on the other side you have while beyond the witch light, right? And maybe like a little bit of uh, Waterdeep Dragon Heist is probably more of a kind of, a, you know, that, you know, when you put these dreadful incursions and you're turning that dial back to the dark, it's not super dark because they have an opportunity. There's so many other things. They had the Harangon, like in, in chapter two already, they've had the Harangon stuff and that worked really well. So there's, you know, they, they are serving their intent, but they're definitely adding a, a level of darkness. So it is not, I'm still going with them and we're going to, we're going to play with some dreadful incursions today because I'm not ready to let go of them. I think they're still important. I think that a, I've now made them part of the story. So they're there, but, but B and they serve their purpose, but it is not the kind of thing that I just, I just plain up recommend, right? I'm, I'm enjoying them. I think that it is an interesting thing to consider, but I think that each DM who wants to run this module, who wants to run this adventure, each DM who's running this adventure should consider whether they want to do this before they just jump in because it's going to change the theme of the adventure, right? And maybe not in the direction that, that you want. So that's, that's definitely probably my biggest observation when it comes to the dreadful incursions is that there is this overall feeling of, of wonder and whimsy and the, wonder and, the, the feeling of wonder and whimsy shifts when you add these in. And, and I think it's another dial. And it's like, how much do you put into them? And how big are they? And what impact do they have on the rest of the adventure, right? I think that I think that, that could be, that's a, that's a big question. Hey, Lord Kazumba is here. Welcome, Lord Kazumba. So, so that, that's something worth considering. And we're gonna talk about it today. Because again, I, I think I'm gonna keep going with them myself. I like them. 
right? I'm, I'm enjoying them. And I know I get it, right? Like I just spent like a year or not a year, but a lot, eh, pretty close to a year, right? Running Rhyme of the Frostman and, and just like, oh God, this, this adventure. I don't think my problem with Rhyme of the Frostmaidens were really about how dark it was, but it is a dark adventure. It was, I did have that problem when I ran Descent into Avernus that like I had to change some of the themes of Descent into Avernus because, you know, it was just like, I didn't like the direction the characters were going, right? So I, you know, but, I, but I'm enjoying the dreadful incursions myself. I like doing that. I'm, I'm enjoying mashing in these things. And I, I think it gives me, this is kind of the thing that excites me to bring in my, my part of this adventure. So I really, I really do like this. It makes me wonder about what the possibilities of the reverse of these inclusions may bring about. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of know where this is headed, right? Like when, when, when this adventure is solved. And I think that's part of it. So I think it'll be okay because I think there's still going to be a lot of beautiful things that they're going to they're gonna see, a lot of whimsy. I'm really looking forward to some of the big pieces of chapter one that I was reading about, but I, but I, but I want more. So that's really my whole thought about how things have been going. So now we're going to talk, now we're actually going to go through some lazy DM prep and get set for running chapter two. As I mentioned, my characters are already in chapter two. They started off on the big causeway. They made their way down. They dealt with the bandit, the, the Herringon bandits. They, one character gave something up to the Herringon bandits. They gave up a memory of theirs, but the rest of them sang a bunch of songs with them. And, and it went well. And the Herringon bandits said, yeah, you're cool. That was a good gift. Take care, right? And then the characters found a raft. It's a weird random encounter. And then they're making their way to the leaning tower because they saw the they saw the following they saw the following thing. Thunderbase says, are you enjoying running it? Yes, very much. I am very much enjoying running it. I'm, I'm stressed out because I'm running two totally different campaigns in two totally different systems and in two totally different worlds. And it's a lot of work. I really like this adventure a lot. I still really like this adventure. I have yet to find anything where I'm like, I'm discovering things about it. And that's the stuff I'm kind of trying to share. But I haven't found anything where I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, like unlike chapter one of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, I got lost in chapter one of the Rhyme of the Frostman. I didn't know how to make my way out of it, right? I was stuck there for months. And this one, it's like, I got through it in three sessions. One of the discoveries I have is like, this is a short adventure, I think. I think we're gonna get through this pretty quick, right? And chapter two is fast. Like chapter two is not, you know, that's something that I kind of notice is like chapter two is a, is, a, is a quick chapter. When we think about the beats of the chapter, we think about the things, we think about the things that are going on in this chapter. There's not a lot, right? There's, you know, there's, 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 when you look at the locations of, of Hither, there's the Slanty Tower, right? Which has its kind of own fun. There's, where is it here? There's Telemy Hill, right? Which is where they kind of, you know, their whole purpose, I think, is, is to go get a key. Oh, the Tollway, right? The Brigands Tollway is the third. So there's like these three locations, there's only like three locations. That's not a big, that's not a big place, right? There's not a lot of stuff. So I, I think, A, I'm going to add a fourth. I think, I think my plan is I want to add a fourth, and that's because I'm going to add a bigger, you know, dread. I, I've been kind of curious, like, are dreadful incursions a good idea? I don't know. Let me make a big one, right? So I'm planning, and one of the things we're going to do tonight is we're going to make a big dreadful incursion, one that's not just a rift opens up and two monsters come out, but one that has been opening up, and it's bigger, and thing, more things have been bleeding over, and more stuff has been coming over. Right, that's gonna be yeah, and then the other location is downfall, which is kind of the end of this, the end of this thing. One thing that I'm definitely going to do, I was I was interested to find out when leveling occurs in this, and one of the 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 the, the, the milestones that exist in the book, I think, are a little off from what I want. 
So you obviously go from level one to level two the minute you travel into Prismere, right? And that makes sense. And then the next level is after you survive an encounter with, with Bavlona, right? The first of the, of, the, of the Hourglass Coven. Well, survival could mean defeat or, or, you know, overcoming her, right? And then you get another level when you go from hither to thither. And that might be a really short amount of time. Right, depending on how things go with Bavlona, you might, you know, from the minute you meet Bavlona and and quote unquote survive the encounter, you know, might be a long time before you go to to thither. But I'm not sure. It seems like it could be short. So I'm going to move that 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 milestone forward and say the minute you reach downfall is the minute you get to third level, and then third level is downfall through thither, and then once you reach thither, you'll get to fourth level, which I think is how it's supposed to be, right? It's you get third level when you beat Bavlona, when you don't beat, but when you when you survive Bavlona. Some people think you get it the minute you see her, but I don't think that's how it is written. I think it's actually written that, you know, once you survive the encounter. So to me, it's going to be like discovering downfall, like reaching downfall is going to be a, a benchmark, right? And that way they have, and I'm going to say it to them. I'm going to, I'm going to give them a Matt Colville style card virtual that says quest, reach downfall, reward, achieve third level. And that I'm going to give that card virtually, you know, to the players. So when we think of the big beats of this adventure, we know we have what we, I just mentioned the three, right? The Brigands Tollway. That's one. That's actually the third, right? We have the, the tower, the slanty tower, and we have Telemi Hill, right? And then the Brigand Solway and then Downfall. I'm going to add in probably after somewhere around here, maybe after Telemi Hill, the dreadful incursion, and we're going to decide what, which one we think that might be. Then the other thing that I'm going to do is there's all of these in encounters along the way, right? There's a list of encounters along the way. The abandoned raft, the gushing oh well, the inn at the end of the road, marsh gas, mud methods, stilt walkers, streams, stream of visions, and the waterlogged battlefield. That battlefield, by the way, these a couple of these, both the gushing well and the water waterlogged battlefield make for good incursion-y territory, right? That waterlogged battlefield could be really interesting. You might not even make it an incursion, right? I, I thought about this. I thought about a fun encounter for for that waterlogged battlefield would be if they run into one of the members of the uh, who are the agents of chaos the, the 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 league of malevolence right is that right that having one of the members of the league of malevolence like watch them like they've been watched and then kind of wave a hand and having an undead fomorian show up right a huge, you know, like a, this giant, you know, undead. And I don't know, like maybe a Formorian undead Formorian is a really bad idea, but it might, it might be really fun. And I have six characters, so they can probably do it. And they'll be like, you know, I guess they'll be second level. Oh, come on. Is there a Formorian in? There might not be one. We could take a Cyclops. Cyclops are pretty nasty, right? They, they hit pretty hard. So you could, you could take like the Cyclops and call it a Formorian, right? And, but boy, boy, is a hit hard. Like the, each hit knocks out like one dude. So you might knock this down to like one attack instead of two, but have it really be nasty. And that might be kind of a fun battle, clear fight. Like, you know, an undead Formorian, you don't have to think about talking your way through. It might be a neat way to, to bring the, the League of Malevolence in. So I'm, I'm thinking, 
I might do something like, I think the in is a really good upward beat. The idea that if they've been having a hard time, if things have been kind of grim, the idea that they see a big in that just sort of walks their way and they go in and they enjoy it and they'll be very skeptical. So I'll have to make it clear to them. I'm like, no, this is a nice place and you can have a nice rest here and you can have, you know, do all the other things. I think that that, I think that that will, will work well. I think there's a lot of interesting encounters, the stilt walkers, the mud methods, I think are really are, are really going to be hard or, or really unlikely that you're going to be able to get through that without fighting them. Cause I think you have to like, you know, it's weird, but the, the key is that like, I'm basically going to take one of these encounters. I don't even know which one. And every time they're going from one major place to another major place, I'm probably going to drop that encounter in there. They definitely want to see when they saw the map, they definitely said that they wanted to see what the anta, the anta serpent, the antelope serpent thing, right? The moose, this, this dude, right? They really want to know what the hell that thing is. So they're going to probably go up that way just to see what that is. So I'm definitely going to want to do some, some fun stuff there. So that's all good stuff. So let's, let's start prepping. Let's, let's do some prep here. We will go back to my Wild Beyond the Witchlight Notion notebook. By the way, I am always, as always, I'm using uh, Notion to do my campaign planning. So if you're like, hey, what tool is that? The answer is Notion. And anybody that's in Twitch chat, you can let anyone else know uh, about Notion or how to use it by typing uh, exclamation mark Notion with no spaces. And it gives a link to how I use Notion for my campaign planning, including a campaign template for using Notion, which you, if you're watching this video later, you can find the show notes below. All right, let's generate a, let's generate a set. So one of the tricks that I've recently been doing is I've been putting a database table right in here that has the characters and their info in the notes. So I don't have to go to like a second page. I don't know why I didn't do this before. So I don't have to go to a second page to look at who the characters are. So we have six characters currently. We have Ori. Ori is a fairy, a sorcerer. Do I have that right? I'm pretty sure it's a sorcerer. Wizard, fairy wizard. Oh, that's right. And has the, took the subclass. That's the one where the book is an animated book. So that's pretty cool. Ori is the big arcana person. That's what she looks like. Uh, she lost her family and she lost where her home is. That's what she's trying to get back. And, and it is held by Scabbath and Nightshade. Bella Sassy Pants, played by my wife, is a tabaxi. I think we have two tabaxis in here. And Bella is a druid, but is a tabaxi cleric. That's right. Yeah, the cleric of, of Zabilna. Right. Intimidating Cake is our other tabaxi. He is a bard, lost his cousin at the carnival. Went there with his cousin, the cousin didn't come back. Kolshek is our tiefling barbarian, lost a token of his, of his homeland. All right, and wants to get that back. Ed Moongrave has it. Tarch, the legendist. Uh, Tarch is a satyr who lost his decorum, lost his sense of decorum. He used to be like a really fun, you know, the, the, the central energy in all of the parties he would go to. And now he's just kind of become an obnoxious git and no one, you know, and he realized that like, you know, I'm not as funny as I used to be, you know, time is, uh, it's timing is off. And then Timothy Sprout, Timothy is a Harangon Ranger. Tarch is a rogue and uh, Timothy is a Harangon Ranger whose family lost all memories of him. And that he's trying to, he's trying to find it, you know, find He's trying to go back and find it. So those are the characters that we have in today's game. Strong start. So what is an interesting, so potentially the vision of the larger incursion might be one strong start. We'll see what, when we generate an incursion, we can see what that is. It's not going to be right here though. I just want them to see it like in the distance, sort of like uh, when Gandalf and Pippin are looking out and they see the big beam of green light that's going like, I want something like that. Like what the hell, oh man, something's happening over there. 
Well, that's not our, but I don't want to steer them away from the direction that they've already been going. They have a raft. I think they are. So I could start in media res and just have them go like they're at the, they're at the slanty tower. Right. And I don't really need like a too crazy, a, a strong start because, right. Cause I can just jump right to the flavor text. And right there, you've got interesting thing, right? The basket that's dangling, the, you know, the plea for help, you know, the, uh, Sir Talavar is there kind of pleading, pleading for help and has information. A lot of, lot of good things that, that can come from this, right? And I think that might just be a good way to go anyway. They just jump straight into the whole thing with Sir Talavar. It's a really fun, kind of fun and funny event. He's a neat character. You know, Sir Talavar is a really kind of fun. Look at his, his, his picture is just awesome. You know, really good. Look at these. We've got... Uh, Hey, you know what I love? I love when four of your 10 secrets and clues can be pasted in from Dean to Beyond, right? Oh, I love when that happens. Saving me time. Except I can't get to the to-do list. There we go. Right? Saving me time. I love it. So let's see. We can close these, close that. So I really like the beginning of this, and I think it might just be a good way. Oh, and there are two giant constrictor snakes, and they are nasty, right? So you could do like a speak with animals, or you might have to fight them. The or maybe there's some other way. They are tough. Look at these guys. CR2. Whew. They don't do a ton. This is pretty nasty. They can grapple and restrain. They could, they could wipe some people out. So this, this could be a tricky situation to deal with. Is it TPK material? Probably not for six second level characters, but it could be, it could be a little scary. But the idea is that the only way you can really get around these snakes, they are sleeping. So maybe there's ways to sneak around them. That's probably the, the, the big way is if you, if you manage to get Sir Talavar out of the... And I, and I think that like this is another one where you can say how they can how they can come by you, know, you can create a quest card right like rescue sir talavar receive sir talavar's sword right which is actually a dagger and i think like a plus one dagger is kind of boring but a and maybe the the dagger's name is valor right like won't this be fun let's let's put this just jump right this i think the idea that its name is valor and what can it do like what would be a fun spell effect that the that the dagger might be able to do once a day i mean an easy one would be that you can cast, uh, what's the cleric armor spell? Um, shield of faith, right? That you, you might be able to cast shield of faith on it. Or I guess you could do magic weapon, but it is a magic weapon. So that's not really beneficial. Is there an offensive? Like what if it both was like a sword and shield, right? That this one sword could do like a sword and shield thing. It could do shield of faith. Maybe it upgrades, right? Maybe once they reach... You know, once they've gone through a significant element of valor, once they complete a quest of valor, they also get some other ability. What is another cool cleric spell? That's like a real, you know, like something that a knight would have, right? Like a, a knightly spell. Well, let's take a look. Let's just go through some cleric spells here. It's my dirty trick for magic items. I love to give magic items a spell effect. I know it's like a dirty treat. Be Beacon of hope. That's not a bad one. Let's see. Spells. Cleric spells. And we're not going to go too high level, right? So these are all in order. Bless is always good. And, and keep in mind, we have a cleric in the group. So you don't want to necessarily give the best spells. Shield of faith is a good one, though, because it's like a bonus action you can do it. That's People really love... Really love that. And I wouldn't mind dropping like a, 
like a third level, uh, a third level spell. I mean, spirit weapon is pretty great, right? And for another character be, to be able to cast spirit weapon uh, one time per day, I, I mean, that's a meaty, you know, that's a meaty ability and it kind of fits, right? It's like, you know, maybe like a spiritual form or Sir Talavar is going around slashing with his dagger. And the idea is they can do each of these like once a day, right? The cool bit is both of those are bonus actions. So anybody who's wielding this dagger gets these, they can drop those without losing a significant part of their action economy. Warding bond. Yeah. I think I'm pretty good with that, right? And I might hang on to the spirit weapon part until like maybe, maybe they'll discover that, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to tell them that right away. We'll see. But that's a good, you know, it's a good piece of a good, a good artifact there. I probably will also drop in a relic. I should create some relics that are, that fit the theme of Prismere. That's probably a, a random table that I should do. But for the most, for the, for the, for the meantime, I think we're going to do this glowing gnomish string of beads that cast identify. That's not bad, right? And I think because I didn't give them uh, a lot of trinkets. I think that I think that this is a good opportunity. Decorated otherworldly coin that casts goodberry. We're gonna make this a goblin goblinoid coin that casts goodberry, right? Like the, the the goblin druids use that one. Any others that that look like they work here? That's, you can always hit ancient elemental skull that casts sanctuary. I don't like the elemental skull part. That's kind of that's kind of nasty. But casting but sanctuaries are pretty good. I don't know. One spell would, that would be a good one that they're not going to get is a Leoman's Tiny Hut. You know, that they get like a one-use Leoman's Tiny Hut might be a pretty cool thing. An ancient dwarven candle that casts... The dwarven... Sure, why not? Why, why can't it be? Why can't it be dwarves? So I think we'll drop in uh, an ancient dwarven candle that casts, that casts Leoman's Tiny Hut. We can always roll more. There's, there's also, I think, a whole bunch of trinkets in the book, and we can certainly roll more on the, the you know, the, the Feywild trinkets is probably a good thing. So why don't we save ourselves a little bit of time and roll some trinkets? I can't see my own box. 45. Uh, bar of soap that smells like something memorable from your childhood. Okay, cool. These trinkets are good. Drop in, a, drop in a handful of these that they find. 70 and 97. 70. Flask of spectral glowworms that change color to reflect the mood of the holder. And the other one was 97. Glass slipper missing its mate. All right. So those are, you know, fun. They, these are useful because they're the kinds of things that they can trade with others. So because I, they didn't have a lot of opportunity to pick up these trinkets when they were in the festival, I think they're going to find more of these things. You know, great things to just like while they're doing their exploration, they're able to find. I think that I think that that will work. I, I think that that will work really well. Yeah. So I think for a strong start, we're just going to start at the slanting tower, right? I don't I don't think I need to uh, do much more than that. Scene wise, we'll grab that list that I had just written up about the major beats of chapter two, right? And we'll just jam those right in there because that's really the. Those are really the scenes, but I'm going to add uh, the dreadful incursion. 
And that will help us, uh, I think, with some secrets and clues. Fantastic locations, they're in the book. So I, I, I mean, maybe I'll keep this section around because we, we might come up with some interesting, whoops, I'm in the wrong chapter. We might come up with some interesting locations for the dreadful incursion when we think about it. But right now, so we'll do that next. But right now, let's get, uh, I wanted to get a, some NPCs, right? And there's a couple, Sir Talavar and Jingles, Jingle Jangle. This one does a great job of, you know, when I talk about the value of a published adventure, the more it just fills things out for me, like interesting NPCs or cool locations or secrets and clues, whenever I get that kind of thing, but you're just helping me out, right? Like that's work I don't have to do. So I really like it. Deadly Encounter Monster Benchmark. They are, they are level two. There are six of them. So that is 12. Uh, 12 divided by four is three. So the, 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 the sort of deadly benchmark is three. That's why... When I look at two giant constrictor snakes and I see that they're each CR2, I go, that's above deadly, according to my own little math here. So I'm a little, I'm a little worried about dropping a pair of constrictor snakes, but we'll see. All right, let's build an incursion. I, so I, I put together a, I have a dreadful incursion page here, right? Oh, it looks like I created a uh, fun little generator for these. This is pretty cool, but I, I think I didn't, I, I think I made one. Maybe this is it. I have two dreadful incursion pages. So here are the cool domains. These, I went through all of the domains of dread. I think I did this last time we were on this show. Uh, I went through all the, the domains of dread and I wanted to see like which ones I thought really would work well as an incur as incursion territory. So, well, that's a good question. Yes, yeah, Scipio says, uh, we probably want to do something uh, more with the inside of the tower. Is the inside of the tower not filled in? Is there nothing in the adventure? I didn't even really look. I don't I don't recall there being very much in there. But yeah, that that is certainly something to fill. But I can probably whip that up. Wow, there isn't. It's just the tower and then just the thing going on the outside. So what would be in the tower? Yeah, you could probably fill that out. You could put a dungeon in there if you want. You could have something really cool. But let's build this domain and then we'll that's a that's a good question and we'll we'll get back to that. Let's pick a domain. Let's roll. Let's roll and see what we get. All this dice, Got my dice tray. Four, Falkovnia. So I already had Falkovnia. It is a domain of dread that they are interested in. I think I'm going to hang on to that one. I want to do a third. I want to do a different domain. So I'm not going to do Falkovnia. I'm not going to do the CSROs because they've already done that. I want to. I want a new domain. But I think Falkovnia. I did some flash fiction about Falkovnia, and that went over well. So I'm going to have Falkovnia involved again because I think the the woman that runs Falkovnia, the, the dreadlord of Falkovnia, knows that there are portals and is thinking there's a way for her to escape. So that may, may, may be kind of cool, but I don't think we're ready for that. I rolled Falkovnia again. The gods really want me to do Falkovnia. One. Uh, Barovia. You know, the problem is everybody knows Barovia. So I'm, I'm rolling again. And I roll Barovia again. Six. Haslan. All right, let's talk about Haslan. Domain doomed by magic. So this is the this is the one where the domain lord went free, right? I think. No, Haslik rules Haslan. Okay, so this is a this is cool. All right. Warped by magical experiments. So already you know, there's there's purple worms. Magic of authority, justification for any excess in those without a specter of inevitable doom. Domain is less a nation than a vast magical laboratory as wizard's overlord, Haslick, views every being as either an apprentice or a test subject. 
he conscripts those he acknowledges as lesser wizards. So what if, you know, again, I was thinking about like, what if the, what if this is an opportunity to bring in one of the, one or more of the members of the League of, the League of Malevolence might see this. So we're going to go to our notes and we're going to location and we're going to create a Haslan incursion. So we're going to make a big one, right? So some of the features, we're going to basically say there's a, there's a piece of Hither, right? If we look at, if we look at the map of Hither, some part of this area is going to be taken over by, maybe it's sort of like over here on the, on the Eastern side, right? I don't know what that little hut area is, but maybe it's on that eastern that eastern side of the mountains that that's where the Haslan incursion and maybe like the desert is is pouring out. So there's a desert pouring out. What other let's look at let's read some more. Experiments noteworthy features. Apprentice let's see. Eye-shaped symbols marking structures, decorations, clothing. So a a, a monument, right? Is Haslick? Yeah, Haslick. Monument showing an eye through which Haslick sees, right? I think that's cool. Visible effects of magical disasters. Poisoned rivers from alchemical runoffs to craters caused by magical explosions, right? That's cool. Settlements and sites. Let's take a look at this. The things that they might see on the other end. Smog choking the village of, of Ramolai. Nearby mines, rare elements. So like a dying village. Dying village overtaken with the smoke of arcane mines. They can see that out there. Slyvar, collection of laboratories. Discordant towers defying physical law by floating. The floating discordant towers. I imagine they look like, you know, weird, what are those called? Like eight-sided, but long and thin, like shards, right? That's cool. This stuff is great, right? I don't see anything that, that grabs me. So we have a fog. What's the vapors of looking at the, the mists? Spreading fog. Oh, look at this. Disaster sites. The brew, a toxic marsh poisoned by alchemical pollution from Ramuli and unpopulated by sapient fungi. Ah, sapient fungi. We might have our, the, the things that, are the characters tough enough to beat a shambling mound? That might be a monster. The fleshless forest. Stone trees. Cool. I got a lot of stuff here. We're going to have to knock this back. But this is all good. Moonstone Valley meteors, otherworldly creatures crash in this wasteland during every new moon. Maybe they see the meteors, right? Otherworldly meteors are cool. The uh, Obiclast, famous floating rock formation, bears an uncanny resemblance to tools used to perform lobotomies. What does that even look like? I don't even, I don't know what that is. Former lakes reduced to quicksand riddled purple worm feeding grounds. I think a dead, you know, the bones of a dead purple worm looks like an ice pick. Yeah. So those are cool. And what kind of monsters? So, I mean, an easy one is a shambling mound, right? What's CR is a shambling mound? Five. Oh! I, if I recall the shambling mound that was at the, the shambling mound that was at the, it's only one. It makes two slam attacks, 13 damage each. 
I mean, you can always take a monster like this and just drop it to one attack, and then it's and then it works. And and the fact that it is, it's immune. It's resists cold and fire and immune to lightning. In fact, doesn't it get? Yeah, it absorbs lightning. A shambling mount would be a good creature, but that's really hard. I don't know. I might stick it in here. It is a bag of hit points, but it's a bag of hit points that hits like a freight train too. You could have apprentice wizards of Hazlick. Right, we've got some. I think the apprentice, they don't look like that, right? But they can cast some real basic spells. I only see our quarter. I need a. I need lower level wizards. Something between an apprentice and something else. I can always hand wave them. I could have cult cult fanatics. My favorite. Cult fanatic is a good, a good stat block to use for a lot of different things. All the stats are fine. You can always swap out the spells, turn them into anything. Good old cult fanatics. I might like as a dare put in the shambling. Oh, I already did, right? There's also the the what are they? The living living trees? Is that what they are? Shrubs? Animated shrubs? What are they? I forget what they're called. There's a there's another plant life plant like thing that we might be able to use instead. You could always have swarms of worms, right? Like grubs. Any is it? Are they called blights? Twig blights. Yeah. Yeah. So we could have some twig blights. We could have a lot of twig blights. Those aren't so bad. What else did they? They said something else that was that. Oh, fungus. Right. What are what are what are some? The monster manual has a section on those. What are what are some of the fungi? So they have shriekers. Myconids. Yeah, adult myconids would be good. I'll do those. Also, needle blights and vine blights. Yeah, those are those are good ones too. But I think the myconids, I think the myconids are where I want to go. I think that's I think those are pretty cool. Yeah, look, they have tags. So I think those are good. And what and, and so oh, so one thing I want to do in this place, right? The, the it, it's it's the rift is open. I guess that like one of the things. Maybe it's a secret and clue. A wizard apprentice of Hazlick has uh, rose a floating obelisk in Prismere that's keeping the rift open. It must be destroyed to close the rift. Right? So I think that that can work, right? That that now we've we've taken what would be just a small rift, but the idea is that the, a wizard who made his way through the rift and saw it brought over and stuck this obelisk, and it sort of has created this. It's kept the the portal open, and he's beginning to think like this is a way for us to expand beyond beyond Haslin, right? Do we want any? I mean, this is a good opportunity to bring secrets of Haslin. Oh, let's see. I have a I have I had a link, right? We can throw this right in as a secret so they can learn about Haslan. Yeah, rift anchors, right? I think the idea of rift anchors is really cool. So I, I kind of dig that. I don't know that I'm using this right away, right? I'm, I'm, I'm prepping it now. I should probably worry about like the next session, right? Follow my own advice. But I thought it'd be fun to kind of build out this idea of, of Haslan. And I, and I like... I like what I've got here. You know, I like I like this stuff. In fact, what I really ought to do is we're going to make a new page. New page in which database. 
Where's my Witchlight database? Is it not called that? Grr. Yeah, it's called Witchlight database. Well, whatever. We'll make a new one in here. The Haslan Incursion, right? I create a location. I should find some cool art for it, but I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm just going to grab this stuff, and I'm going to throw it right into my incursion here. All right. Cool. Copy that link. Let's see. Open this as a page. Copy that. Stick it in here. Link that. And I can drop all this. Because I don't think I'm going to be using it uh, tomorrow. Right, my game is tomorrow. So that's pretty good. But yes, Scipio brought up the really good point of what the hell is in the tower, right? So let's go back and, you know, to the adventure that we're running. Let's see, I got my quick links here. And let's look at the tower. What does it say about the tower? This is Hither, locations in Hither, Slanty Tower. 50 feet tall, 20 foot diameter, open door at the bottom. Interior of the tower is empty except for a flight of stairs that spirals up inside the tower wall to an opening in the ceiling that leads to a crenellated roof. So there's nothing in there. We could put a monument in there, right? Like we don't have to fill it with like a great big dungeon. But we could drop a monument in there. Glowing astral standing stone, metallic dwarven obelisk, aberrant stone. These are all randomly generated from the Lazy DM's workbook. Glowing shadowy carved rock. That might be kind of neat. Maybe it's an unseely, an unseely rock. We could have some shadows there. That could be a fun thing to fight. That wouldn't normally be in there. Shadows are nasty. CR one half and what we said, we can go up to three. So that could be six shadows. That sounds about right. Shadows are nasty though. We're going to grab these, these guys and we're going to stick them in my Haslan. That's cool. So we'll move our shadows up here. Bang, because I think they're going to probably face the shadows. And I'll probably yank these out because I don't think, like I said, I don't think we're going to see those in this next one. A vase full of shadows. That sounds pretty cool. What other secrets do we need? I mean, we've got those four. That really, that covers, that covers a lot of it. Is there anything else that they might discover when they're doing the tower? So they, one thing I've, one thing I discovered is that like I've, I've got, oh, so let's, yeah, let's look at the other one and see what clues the, our, our other friend has. One thing I noticed is like they can get through a lot of material pretty quickly. Like I was, I was actually, I actually ran out of stuff to run. If asked about Jingle Jangle, the Awaken Tree share the following information. So they might talk to some but what does Jingle Jangle know? That's that's what I what I like. So we have Jingle Jangle's tale of woe. Here we go. Here's the useful information. Yep. This is all good stuff. So this is all tying to the third. Yeah, and this 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 one, this last one here is really important. So these are all good. So easy to come up with these with these secrets and clues when they're in the book, when they're published in the book. Thank you. Thank you, Wizards of the Coast. Thank you. Will Doyle and Stacy for putting secrets directly in there. Calicverse says, well, why do you think they got through things so quickly? Oh, another fantastic location. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, because we don't fight a lot of stuff <laughs> and combat takes time. That was a big one, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they, 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 they just, it seemed like, you know, I, I didn't expect how far they would get into Prismere and into Hither. And so it was a good stopping point. So I kind of stopped it about a half hour early, which is fine. I don't think anybody minded. I mean, we're online, so it's not like people are driving home. So the other fantastic, the battlefield, right? I think that's cool. The elven, 
And Formorian Battlefield is a cool location that I want to drop in there. What else? What else do we need? I don't know. So, like, how do I feel? Do I feel ready? I think so. I think I've got a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I got a lot of opportunities. A lot of opportunities for, for interesting things. The So, like, of the random encounters. Oh, look, Feywild treats. That would be a fun thing for our ranger to figure out. Have him, have him, have him find that. How old is the battlefield? That's a good question. Does it say? I don't think it says. If not, I could say, I could, I'll just go with the thousands of years. The waterlogged battlefield. That's right out of, uh, a character's coming to a bog, site of a battle between elves and formerians long ago. Littered with rust and broken weapons. Characters sent to the air, two suits of animated armor, each suit of animated armor. The animated armor is kind of a boring thing. I mean, it's kind of interesting that they do that, but like, I don't know. Which one of the League of Malevolence do I want to? 33, yeah, 38, 38. That'd be kind of fun. If adjusted the water level, that can make travel interesting and use for the raft. Yeah, good point. Like maybe you know, the water level rises, right? How does, yeah, there's, uh, that's a, maybe that's a good strong start. Thank you. Scipio, you should come run this game. The water level rises. A sudden need for the raft very cool i was looking something up now i forget what oh league of malevolence which one of the league members might they run into kellick seems the obvious choice he's a human chaotic evil human sorcerer but there's a cleric skyla right and can she she's a warlock do any of them war duke of course and zarak which one of these would be most likely she's not a cleric she's a warlock she does look very cool. She might be a fun one. And maybe she uses a scroll, right? He's a sorcerer. He's all blasty. I think we'll put Skyla. Does she have a way to get away? She has invisibility and fly. That's a good question. Who's her patron? Well, looking at her spells and stuff, does it say? Goes Charme, Forge of Warlock's Pack and Baga Yaga. So she's a warlock of Baba Yaga. I think she, doesn't she show up later as a spy kind of thing? She has a good gig in Yawn during the adventure. So would she be the one most likely to be kind of examining this? I don't know. Maybe maybe it isn't a great time to, to bring the, she quit the league. So would she be the one that's, you know, would she be interested in learning what this, what's going on with the dreadful incursions and all of that? Maybe. And she would basically run when she sees the character. She's not going to get involved with the characters. So Skyla is maybe at either the incursion area, probably the incursion area, or she might be in the battlefield. And I think she changes her look, right? So like, I think she has, doesn't she have a way to, does she has disguised self, which is a good way for her to have multiple, you know, different, different ways to, different ways to deal with that. So I think, I think that that would be okay. You said the Lorling is a spy. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. Like who can see the incursions, right? Who can study them? And I like the idea of like the, the League of Malevolence is sort of a cross-planar group themselves. So well, we can put that in a scene, right? Because not everybody can see it. So I think that that's I think that that's pretty interesting. 
so where would things go tomorrow? Well, so they're going to go to the slanty tower. They're going to learn about what's going on there. Maybe they go inside and they have to deal with the shadows. That would be kind of a fun thing to do. Shadows are scary. Then they travel to Telemi Hill. In between the slanty tower and Telemi Hill, Hill, they might run into it. They probably don't need the the. They probably don't need. I have so much crap open. There we go. They probably don't need the inn. So a, a gushing oh well might be interesting. And maybe stuff is coming out of that. Marsh gas. The stilt walkers would be kind of cool, right? So I think like marsh gas and stilt walkers might be a fun thing to see. You know, then they go, they go to Telemi Hill and then they go back to the slanting tower they let him go and then they probably go off and they can they can kind of explore the one other thing i need to figure out is the the serpent antelope the serpent what it, what it, what it is i forget what my friends referred to it as but i'll have to come up with a cool npc for that let's let's whip up an npc real real quick orwin orwin the the horned serpent thing what is what does it know? Probably, you know, remembers the better times before Zabilna disappeared. I'll just role play that. We'll see how it goes. I don't know what other benefits he might offer. We'll see. That's if they get up they go that far. And I think I guess I'll play it by ear. If they're going they go from telling me hill to if they're going to the brigands tollway, that's probably when they will drop in the dreadful incursion or 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 you know, I'll probably Yeah, I think I think I can kind of move that anywhere, right? And you can always have it that like they go like surrounding in the mist and then they and then they see that they sort of see this area. So that's something I can sort of drop in anywhere. And then of course the the hut, you know, the 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 inn, the movable inn is a good thing for them to run into. Is there any what are the other some of the other ones we have there? The mud methods or something I can drop in. Yeah. So I think you know, what's stream of visions? Let's learn about that. When the water is low, the character has a chance of a 10-foot wide stream. Unknown to them, the stream flows from downfall. And any character who looks into it catches a glimpse of events transpiring in downfall at that very moment. They might see something different. This is cool. So the stream of visions is a good thing. So all these are pretty cool, right? I kind of, I kind of, I kind of dig them. But I'll I'll kind of play up a year, right? I'll 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 run it, and I know that I can hit these things, and I know that I can drop them in when it feels like a good time to drop them in. But I think I'm I'm pretty set. Like I got a lot, I've got a fair bit of material here uh, to run for my next session tomorrow night. So I think I'm I think I'm all set. So that I I I think that gives a decent view of like how I'm going to be looking. I haven't talked about downfall at all, but downfall is going to be a while a little bit. So I might maybe I'll do another show to talk about downfall. Probably I will do another show talking about what it was like to run chapter two and then getting ready for my chapter three notes. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me this evening. I f it's always a great pleasure to hang out with fine folks while I'm preparing for my game. And I want to, so if you enjoyed this show, if you like what you have seen, you can help me out by subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter, supporting me directly on Patreon, picking up any of my books, or subscribing to my videos on YouTube. Hope you found this video useful and have a great evening. Have a great week. And in the meantime, get out there and play some D&D. &D. Take care, everybody.